Hello and welcome to Fast Charge, the weekly podcast from the team at Tech Advisor. We are Domless today. He is otherwise engaged. Maybe, maybe something to do with phones. Who knows? So uh, you've got us to, for, for today, and it's me, Henry Burrell, who can't talk. And I've also got <laughs> Hannah Houghton and Lewis Painter. How are you both? Hello. Yeah, good. Thank you. Good, good. We normally, uh, it's become a bit of a running joke now that we uh, moan about the weather uh, on this podcast, given that we are broadcasting from Merry England. And the continuing worst idea in the world, Daylight Savings Time, is upon us. So you'll probably start to get dark as we record uh, this evening, uh, which oh, is yeah. all very depressing. Uh, but at least we're tucked up. With the, you've all got much nicer tech behind you than me. You've got nice lights there. You've got <laughs> nice, nice Hoover. It's <laughs> got very colour-coordinated. Nice shot, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, for our video viewers, yeah, I've just blur- I'm the only one blurring out my, my mess of a room here but yeah, we I'm are looking forward chest. to exactly <laughs> plowing through some uh it's i thought it was a quiet tech week but actually when we when we step back from it uh, chaos reigns there's phones everywhere um the richest man in the world owns our favorite social media platform and uh there are things coming down the pipeline for vr so we will touch on all of those things and we're also going to talk a little bit about nokia up top uh lewis is our man to guide the conversations today For that, as as tradition uh, holds, I will jump in with the news because, again, I said there's not much news this week, but there really was. So, uh, first up, I don't know if either of you saw the last Huawei uh, foldable, the one that looks more like the Z Flip. It's called the P50 Pocket. There is now a new one. Uh, Well, you love that one, didn't you, Lewis? I never got to see it in real life, but all the videos I saw of it and when Don was using it on the on the podcast, it just looked really nice. (laughs) Yeah, I, I quite like the aesthetic, um, but they've got a cheaper one uh, coming out now. They just announced it uh, yesterday as we record, and this is the Huawei Pocket S. Now, cheaper still means that when you convert how much it costs, uh, it will be about 800 US dollars. It's a China-only launch at the moment, uh, and it is a phone with a Snapdragon 778G chip uh, and some basically reined-in specs compared to the P50 Pocket. Um, so, I mean, Huawei continues to, to plug away at it. I've got a Huawei phone in for review at the moment, actually. So does Dom. Um, the one I'm reviewing is for sale in the UK, the, the Mate 50 Pro. But what do you think about this? Do you think that there's, there's going to be much market for Huawei? I mean, it, it seems as though its sales have taken a hit even in native China. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm welcoming the fact that they're working on cheaper foldables because yeah. I just I wanted the price to come down for some time. Um, and that is where Huawei traditionally did well was when they used to undercut mm. the big players and come in with the same or better tech just at two or three hundred pound cheaper so if that's kind of if that's going to be their approach going forward then i think you might be more willing to then sacrifice the fact that you have to do a bit of a song and dance to get some of your apps on there and stuff like that rather than paying stupidly premium prices and then still having to do the same workarounds <laughs> if they yeah. do if this phone does okay it could be interesting because it might mean that it might carve out a space for more afford well we say affordable but like more affordable <laughs> foldables yeah because like yeah. yeah at the moment the prices are you know pretty pretty steep so it would be nice to see more players than huawei getting on this yeah that's a good point smartphones are kind of a, a weird one because normally tech gets cheaper as stuff trickles down, but yeah. premium phones have always just got more and more expensive, haven't they? So uh, I wonder because I think you know iPhones used to cost six hundred pounds, which was a lot, and now they're a grand. So yeah, we'll see. I was thinking about this the other day. The iPhone yeah, was no. like five hundred and sixty-nine pound, and I was just like, God, that was such a good time. That was. Yeah, people were <laughs> outraged as well when the iPhone first came out, and it was like yeah. five hundred quid. Um, but yeah, there you go. Keep an eye on that. Uh, it probably won't come out in the UK, but we did review the P fifty Pocket, so we might better get our hands on this one. I'm sure Lewis has got his BD out for that yes please um second up uh you may have seen this uh xiaomi has revealed a concept phone which is kind of based on its uh xiaomi uh 12s ultra um which dom reviewed the chinese version of because again <laughs> we are not getting all this cool interesting uh smartphone tech over in europe um but do you guys see this they've like basically done a prototype of it and it's kind of the 12s but it has a mount and then a physical like proper dslr lens oh, yeah. that you can attach to it <laughs> I love the idea. Um, if yeah, if you're listening along, just go and Google it. Uh, it's pretty mad. Um, I don't think it's actually going to come out. Um, no, definitely to be honest, not. I don't know quite enough about DSLR technology to comment on whether or not this would actually make your phone you know, professional level. Um, but they actually made it. And if you go on their social channels, they, they do act, does actually work. It's pretty mad. It's hard to know. I guess we're all not professional photographers, but I guess you know it's hard to know who would actually go for something like that do you know what i mean like why would you if it, if it i know obviously yeah it's not mm. properly on there but like yeah it's uh it's an interesting piece of tech and good to experiment i guess but yeah it's a 
Yeah. yeah. I just I still think back to when Samsung had the S3 Zoom and that was basically a digital say. camera. Love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Did you have it? Uh, I had it to review for a little while on my, right, my dinky right. blog before I even worked here. They sent me one <laughs> over nice. and I loved that. That was a lot of fun. That's um, the thing, right? The, the, the lenses and cameras, they've got to the point now where I think the Xiaomi 12S Ultra is one of the phones that has a one-inch sensor. And then apart mm -hmm. from doing, you know, all the periscope, uh, periscope lenses within these things, that there's not much else you can do without actually, like you say, turning it into an actual camera. Yeah. I mean, it's, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I think it's an interesting concept. It's just the problem then becomes that you need five grand lenses to use it. <laughs> yeah. And I guess yeah. at this point, it's not like, you know, the smartphone, the idea of a smartphone camera is that you take it around and it's portable and you can use it every day. The second that you add a massive bloody lens in there, it's like, well, you may as well just have a camera that, you know, you know is going to be able to do everything that you need it to do and things like that. But yeah. Yeah, I've got no mm -hmm. idea if they, I don't think they've put a price on it because it's not coming out. But again, it's not going to be cheap, is it? No. If they indeed do ever sell something like that. Um, this is a bit of a minor piece of news, but as, as a sort of... Um, Sony, well, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a fanboy. I'm a Sony apologist. How's that? Um, and they have uh, announced that they will be rolling out Android 13 uh, to the Xperia 1, 4, and 5, 4, one of which I have at the, at the moment still on loan from Sony. So I excitedly went to look and download it, and it was not there. Um, so they've said it's coming, uh, but they have not said when. And it probably, in Sony fashion, you won't get many visual updates. They still run you know, what you'd call stock Android. It really is very bare bones. But the reason that this came up, um, and I thought it was sort of vaguely interesting just to touch on briefly, was that when we had a uh, briefing for the Xperia 1 for, I was very surprised about how blasé the uh, the Sony spokesperson was about only supporting their phones for two years of, of software updates. <laughs> I think they have longer on security, but I was like, oh, why, why wouldn't you put more than you know two years of Android updates on them? And they just said, oh, you know, after two years, people just get a new phone, so we, do, we can't be bothered, basically. Those were, that's not that's not a direct quote, but <laughs> paraphrasing somewhat. And it made me wonder, like, if this is the first update, is it only going to get Android 14? Is it? I, I presume that is the case. Yeah, it's just a minor note, uh, and like the the wild west of uh, Android rolling out um, the new version to phones, and then also got me thinking, like, do we obsess over it too much? Maybe does it really matter if your phone is fully up to uh, security? Does it matter if you're on Android 11? Maybe not. Um, but uh, anyway. Um, I'll move on to the next story because it's a little more interesting and I can have my little <laughs> rant out the way. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, WhatsApp um, has rolled out some new features that are coming, uh, focused on making it easier to communicate with, with big groups. So you can now do 32-person video chats. And you can also, according to this report that I'm looking at here, I know 32 people, it's like <laughs> pandemic all over again, isn't it? Yeah, no, I was pandemic. getting flashbacks to <laughs> yeah. Christmas quizzes on Zoom. <laughs> and the, the way that the, uh, the Verge has gone with it, uh, and which is quite a good way of summing it up here, is that it's called WhatsApp Communities, by the way. And it's kind of its spin on Slack, Workspace, or a Discord channel. And you can have a group with up to 1,024 people. And if you ever look at the um, the, the hub um, photos that WhatsApp have put out, it's a bit more like kind of like a, a message board kind of thing, which I suppose makes sense for a, an app that so many people are on. Would yeah. you, would you um, are you in lots of unruly groups that you would like to better admin? Or do you think this is more for like, you know, neighborhood watch and stuff like that? That was, yeah, the latter yeah, was that's... kind of my first thought. Like it's, it's, it's for people grasping up what's going on in the neighborhood and, and little <laughs> things like that rather than actual chats and discussions in, in my I, mind anyway yeah. i think it would stress me out because i'm actually the sort of person that i'll be in group chats but i will i'll have to like you know if you go away and then loads of people have a conversation i have to go back and like read do you know what i mean so oh, if i was no. in a group with loads and loads oh, of people no. it would really stress me out because i'd see mm. like 50 new messages and i'm like oh no what's what's everybody been saying like yeah so, so yeah. quite a few WhatsApp groups, but um, I, they're clearly not very chatty because I never really have to do that. <laughs> I, no, I'm yeah. that person in the WhatsApp that's always in the WhatsApp group, but just never replies because it's always on mute and I never read the messages. So yeah, just I'm a, I, I do reply, but I'm a long reply sort of person. Maybe you've worked this out on Slack now. I'm not. <laughs> a, I like to sometimes over embellish and things like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the big groups thing when you mention not so much in whatsapp but more of a discord thing for me oh, yeah. um is that but so i guess if it was compared to that then it might make sense but i don't know how many people use whatsapp in the same way as discord i mean is, i don't personally but like big discord channels are a mess anyway like the, the mm, amount yeah. of messages like come flying through on there it's just like it's just too much going on so 
yeah, I, yeah. I don't I don't think I'm going to be using this too often. No, it doesn't like something I'll actually personally uh, be using. But um, yeah, I mean, the way that the advertising, uh, it makes it look a bit more like a community-based thing. So hopefully it'll be useful. Uh, and they're really doubling down on their um, their advertising at the moment, WhatsApp. They're really trying to... Yeah. With it being, you know, big, huge, um, you know, Piccadilly Circus, the huge screens there, they completely took that over the other day. There's um, oh. Facebook money. So I, I'm still <laughs> waiting for the day that they properly monetize that platform and, and hoover up all our data, just like they promised. Back in the um, day. And lastly, just to round off uh, the news, I saw GSM Arena reporting that they, uh, somebody, sorry, spotted a leak of an early benchmark for MediaTek's supposed upcoming flagship uh, CPU uh, we don't have an official name for it yet, but this report says it's going to be called the Dimensity 9200, 9200, whatever, however you meant to pronounce that. <laughs> and the interesting point that they pick out is that uh, in this, uh, also in a GFX bench test, which uh, measures GPU performance, it actually um, tops the Apple A16 Bionic, which I thought was interesting. As we, all, <laughs> as we all know, benchmarks are not usually indicative of uh, real-world performance. Um, apart from apples, uh, which tend to uh, <laughs> trounce everybody and then genuinely run very well. So I just thought that was an interesting note. Uh, hopefully we'll have some more information about uh, that chip soon if it does break cover. But I thought that was an interesting thing to yeah, that's really cool. news on. Mm. Um, so I can close that distracting uh, window. There we go. And we, we are uh, all tuning in to the Lewis Painter Show because uh, I offered <laughs> to uh, sandwich our three topics for today uh, to give them a break. But in, in the name of content, he, he, he is doing two, leading two sections, because uh, we will talk about VR soon, which is Lewis's probably most uh, passionate area of conversation when it comes to tech. But oh, yes. Lewis, you've also, you're also a bit of our resident uh, Nokia expert, and you have been um, long reviewing uh, their Android phones of HMD Global. And the one you've got in at the moment, you told me, might be one of the best. Yes. So this is the Nokia X30. Hello. Um, it's an upgrade to last year's X20. It's basically it's, it's and Nokia's X line is their top end mid range, so it's not they don't flagship. Do flagship. They don't do flagship. They don't do flagship. I think the last one was it the nine pure view, the pure one with like a tarantula. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That <laughs> was all the cameras on the back. There's five cameras nightmare. on the back in there. <laughs> far um, too many. <laughs> and then after that, yeah, no more flagships, as you say. So this is the most expensive so, yeah. phone. This sell? is about as fancy as it gets. Um, and to be fair, it is more expensive than last year. Uh, I'm going to come mm -hmm. to that a little bit later, though, because there's a few things I want to get out ahead of that. So the first thing that I really like about this is that it actually looks nice. Like <laughs> For our audio listeners, can you yes. describe what it looks like? Okay, so it's um, it's kind of got... It's, it's I mean, what stands out about it is simplistic, but it's very different from the X20, because the X20 was just a bit boring. So this is a lot nicer. Mm. It's got like an aluminium frame, and it's still got a plastic back, a frosted plastic back, but it doesn't feel cheap. It's, and um, also, a plus note, 65% of the plastic is recycled. Is from recycled sources, and 100% right. of the frame is uh, recycled. So that's, that's good. very good on the environment front. So it's very mm. cool. Um, it just looks a lot tidier this year. So like they've shrunk down the bezels. as the uh, the famous Nokia chin on the bottom of the screen is is gone. Uh, is they shrunk famous? that down a little bit more. It's, ugh, it's, there, it's always there. Um, and they've moved the camera bump. So they had a circular camera bump in the middle last year. Mm -hmm. um, but with such crap cameras on it, there were just tiny little dots in this big <laughs> circle. And it just looked a bit cheap. So they've moved uh, it to like kind of a, a top left uh, rectangular uh, bump. And it's got the same chamfered edges as the... Uh, edges of the phone so it just kind of it just ties it everything nice, together yeah. it's just clean it's a nice clean aesthetic um uh, and that kind of yeah that, that's just the look of it but it's also way lighter i think it's something like 35 grams lighter uh, and it's 1.1 millimeters thinner than the x20 so it's just it's gone from being this big bulky whatever phone to something that's actually pretty nice to hold and use um so i just yeah i welcome that so nice the X20, see. was that a phone that they kind of went all in on and said it was like a rugged phone or like, you know, a bit more, what was the angle there? What, what's changed between the X20 that they've made the X30 look, look, you know, quite premium in the end? Yeah, I mean, I don't really, like there was no, there was never really any kind of angle for the X20. It was just kind of, here's what, here's the, the best of, of the Nokia bunch. But whereas it was, I didn't think the, the X20, the problem with the X20 was it wasn't really looking at the competition. It was the best Nokia phone, but it mm. was nowhere near the best phone around at the price. Right. Mm. Uh, and I think this year they've kind of realized that they need to do more to compete with the competition, especially in Europe where you've got the Chinese manufacturers that really do own that, you know, that, that budget to mid-range market. 
Um, and this is the response. So yeah, I just I'll, I'll might as well just talk about the price now. It's a hundred pound more expensive. So the last okay. one was two nine nine. This is three nine nine, which puts it up. I don't know if you can hear the train going past my house. It's very loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, this is three nine nine. So that basically puts it up against the Nothing Phone One uh, and the OnePlus Nord Two T. Um, and as you know, they're basically the most popular mid-rangers around. Uh, they've, you know, they secure really highly high spots in our chart. So they're kind of my benchmark for the £400 mark. Um, and that's tough competition because the Nothing Phone 1 is pretty good. The OnePlus Nord 2T is really good in other areas. You've got, you've got the Pixel 6a in there as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, completely price. forgot about the yeah. Pixel 6a, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this is exactly what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of competition at that price point. So that's the only caveat to this whole thing is that if they manage to keep the price at the 299 mark or even just a 50 pound increase this could have been the phone i think the price at 400 muddies the water ever so slightly but i do think it's mm. it's there's it's still got more of a chance to compete against oneplus and and co than ever before so uh so basically it, can, it fixes a lot of the complaints that i had about the x20 um the big thing is it's got a smaller display last year I had a 6.7 this is 6.4 which i like it's kind of more pocketable i mean it's not a small screen phone by any means but it's smaller and easier to use one-handed, uh, probably helps with the weight and, and that kind of thing as well. Uh, but the crucial upgrades for this are the refresh rate has jumped from 60 to 90, which is one of the big issues with last year's phone. I hated that 60 hertz refresh rate. Um, so not, You've not been only spoiled, it, that's why. I have been so spoiled. It's this, ah, yeah, this is the thing now, because even mid-rangers and even budget phones have high refresh rates. So like for, for yeah. a big hitter in the mid-range market to come out with anything but was a bit of a misstep in my opinion. But anyway, that's fixed, 90 hertz. It's not 120 like some of the others, but I think the step from 60 to 90 is what's most important. I think anything over that is just just for your own sake. Um, and it's also gone from an uh, IPS LCD to an AMOLED display. So it's just a lot nicer experience mm. overall. Um, <laughs> and, that's, and it's a lot brighter as well. So it's easy to use outside without any issues. Um, but on the audio side, so screen, what stuff is great. Audio is not so much because ah. they have not only removed the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack, which was present last oh. year. Oh. Rip. I know, rip. <laughs> um, in the mid range, yeah. Um, but <clears throat> they have only got a mono speaker firing right. out the bottom. Yeah, um, they, they don't sound good. I've, I've had, tested phones yeah. with just a mono speaker and it's really not good. Well, this is what I mean. I thought if anything, they could, if they were going to drop the 3.5, at least give a stereo experience so that you've got something. It's fairly decent, but um, I mean, it's fine for watching videos, or whatever, but it's not immersive like you get on, on a lot of other phones, including the phones that cost the same amount of money. So uh, that's definitely a little hit there. Um, moving on to the performance, though. Performance was the probably the biggest issue with the X20. It had like a Snapdragon 480 in it or something like that. Yeah, those are, those are not good. <laughs> that, it you was want to push it. Pretty bad. Um, <laughs> I mean, even at the 299 price, it was, it was pushing it for what they've got. And... The performance is better, but the problem is it's still not as good as what the equivalents are. Mm. So, right, um, right. so we've got a Snapdragon 695, which is quite the upgrade from last year. Uh, and you do see that in everyday performance. It feels a lot more responsive, although that's probably something to do with the 90Hz refresh rate as well. But it just feels slick and, and general, you know, in general, it's, it's a fairly good phone. But on paper, uh, it just kind of gets left behind uh, mm. compared to, the, was it a Dimensity 1300 in the OnePlus Nord 2T? Yeah, that's a pretty good performing phone. Yeah. That is a, a big boy. And then the 6A's got the Tensor chip, which is obviously their flagship chip. Um, and phones that do have the Snapdragon 695 uh, cost as much as £140 less than the Nokia X30. Though that is so, Xiaomi's pricing, I will say, because so that is true. particularly <laughs> aggressive. So, because the other thing, because I, I went, I went to the launch of this phone, um, uh, IFA in Berlin, and well, I might be uh, jumping ahead of you here because I, I was mm -hmm. going to ask you about the cameras. But the other thing, I'm coming that, to it after. <laughs> okay, because I'll help you uh, into it. Because the other thing I was going to ask about, in terms of the price, do the cameras justify it? Because then also we can discuss as well um, HMD's new circular subscription service which is yes. the other way you can buy this phone right do you think yes. that they've bumped up the price to like <laughs> you know tempt people into the subscription service instead you can basically get the phone on a monthly uh, uh contract and um uh you can sort of swap it in at any time yes 20, it's 22 pound a month as well so that's a really good price for what it is uh it's yeah. on um hmd's is that on hmd's hmd global's network i think it is or is that and that's I the thing I haven't that's, looked that's into. Good, that's a good question. That's a good question. Because HMD Global does have a network in the UK. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so it might be on there. Any way, 
I haven't heard anything too bad about it. I don't think it has 5G yet, but 4G, mm. absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, so that's £22 a month, which does make the phone really tempting because it might not be the best in performance, but those cameras... Mm-hmm. Ooh, those cameras... Because <laughs> so, they've still was, got the, the, the pure view... Um, uh, brand name in there, so they're obviously proud of them. What do they? What do they do that's so special? So uh, first things first, no more Leica. Bye bye Leica. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, which that com- with that paired with the fact that this year has a 50 meg main compared to last year's 64 meg might lead you to believe that there's been a bit of a downgrade in the camera department. But honestly, it's anything but. Like I, I was as soon as I started taking pictures out on this, I was like, wow, okay, this is something to pay attention to here. Like especially oh, nice. compared to. The X20, like the X20 was all right for what it was, but, you know, with some mid-rangers, you kind of, you don't always get the shot the first time. You know, you have to kind of take it a couple of times because the focus is slightly out or there's a bit of a wobble or whatever. But this one, it seems to deliver the shot more often. You know, there are still times where I have to take more because it's not quite got the focus right or anything, but mm. those, that happens far less than than any Nokia that I remember using. Um, uh, so that's really good for... Uh, well-lit areas so it's got a lot of detail the color the color's great uh, and there's a lot of clarity there um but where they've traditionally fallen over is the nighttime photography which is where they've made the real significant gains this year um mm. so you've got like a better aperture on the 50 meg uh, which is f 1.9 i think it is um and they've got what they call night mode 2.0 and some other night based magic uh, that basically <laughs> work together to uh, you know, provide low light photography. Um, and yeah, that's where this really did impress me. So I've been out um, taking pictures just on my street, walking down the road late at night. Uh, so obviously that's kind of dark, you know, winter dark as well. So it's winter dark and it's just got the street lights. But the the amount of detail that it was, and this was just, on, on, you know, holding the phone straight. I wasn't using mm. a tripod or anything like that, but the detail was really impressive and it wasn't blowing out the bright spots like the lamp shades or anything like that that you see, you tend to get in the mid-range. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's still a bit of noise and stuff like that, but it's just it's just crisp. Like, it's just, you know, it's impressive. And there's also a mode where you can bump that up even further to see more light than what your eye can see, okay. uh, which right. is... So you can actually switch between the two, because we've talked yeah. on the podcast before about how phones either, you know, they capture what your eye can see mm-hmm. or they yeah. pretend it's light you can pick can you? Yeah, so yeah. You can pick. so yeah the, the standard night mode is is what your eye can see and then this other mode i can't remember off the top of my head what it is like night vision or something like that is just mm. just cranks everything up to the max so you can suck in as much light as you can yeah um, that's interesting i was gonna i was gonna ask you like the, the way i normally tell is like the color of the sky because on yeah. phones that do the crank up to the max, you'll see that the sky is like a lot more like blue. Like yeah. it looks like a like dark navy blue that is just like that's not what the sky looks <laughs> like at night. <laughs> to be fair, there is a little bit of that on the standard mode as well, but it's not. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's not as yeah. noticeable as yeah. it is usually on these mid ranges. Um, so, the, sorry, go on. Go on. As I said, the only downside to the the night performance really um, is the fact that it doesn't have any kind of laser based. Um, autofocus system so obviously if there's no light whatsoever the phone's going to struggle to know what to focus on so yeah. some pictures can come out a little bit soft if it is complete darkness but as long as you've got lights from like a street light or you know nearby lights it's got enough to work with and so yeah. this uh, x30 is this the one that's got that thing called they call it capture fusion yes and is that, if i remember correctly it's taking when you take a photo it actually takes data from both lenses and then fuses them together and do you think that's what they're doing uh well here or is it just the main the main sensor just better and they've just tuned it better uh i mean i think it's a bit of both really it's it's, it's really hard to come because i like i said this is a big improvement from last year so there is every possibility that it's a combination of the hardware and this other tech that combines the data from the two that really does deliver uh this kind of boost in image quality that i've seen how, how <laughs> um, is um how is the front camera does the that... front camera also Looks like it's had a downgrade, uh, a 16 megapixel this year. But like with the back camera, I really like it. Um, mm-hmm. I think 16 meg is fine for a selfie camera. Like anything above that, you're just it's just you know much of a nothingness because as we all know, megapixel count doesn't necessarily mean better quality. Um, so yeah, I think it's really good. Um, you can it's, it's good for you, your ba- your basic selfies, and it's also got night mode uh, built into the selfie camera as well. So in those low light conditions, you can take a fairly decent selfie. It does use your screen to kind of add a bit of extra light to the scenario, but that's fine. Uh, it works out pretty well for me in the occasions I've used it. And it's also got like an AI portrait mode, which is kind of the similar thing from what we've seen before from a lot of uh, 
kind of Chinese manufacturers with like beauty effects that get added to portrait shots and stuff like that. That was a little bit off of me yesterday, actually. I didn't notice I had it on when I was testing. And um, it must have detected one of my eyes slightly wrong because I've got my glasses on or whatever. So I had like an extra green bit of my eye just to the left of my eye where it tried to make my eyes more green than they are. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's I didn't using... realize they had that on Nokia phones, right? Yeah, this, this, yeah, I think this is the first time they've had that. I don't remember seeing that before. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a weird one. Yeah, I mean, but the camera like, quality must... itself is fine. Because they, they, I th believe they sell more phones in mainland Europe compared to the UK. Um, but you were saying there that, you know, at the price, maybe you wouldn't recommend it alongside some of those other mid-range phones. But it does sound like a phone that you would happily use on the daily, which is not always something yeah. we can say about a mid-range Nokia branded phone. No, this is this is why I'm so excited about it, because it doesn't do anything that's better than OnePlus or, or nothing phone or anything like that. You know, it doesn't have the glyph interface. It doesn't have wireless charging or water resistance or the fastest uh, charging around or anything like that. But it's good enough. Like, <laughs> it, it's it's... It's, 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 for once, it's an all-round package, I think, from Nokia. Mm. Usually, they focus on one thing, whether it's the design or the cameras or the performance or whatever, and they go all in on that and everything else suffers. But with this, I think they have done a really good job of managing around, like, take what's most important. They fixed all the complaints that I had from last year about the display and the camera performance, because last year I had a bunch of crap cameras, um, kind of like a, a 5 megapixel ultra-wide and a 2 megapixel oh, yeah. depth camera Not and a 2 megapixel it. macro. Whereas this year they ditched all them and just put in a 12 meg ultra wide with the 15 meg on the rear, which is we like. love that. Want well, that from other they, manufacturers? Yeah. <laughs> their, 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 um, their strategy is kind of is coming to focus now. Uh, no pun oh, intended. Yeah. Uh, like trying to make more sense of what they're doing here. But if they can sell a phone for 400 pounds, which as you say, maybe you can have a bit of a um, bit of an argument that it should be cheaper. But if that's their most expensive phone and it's this good, then then maybe that's where they've decided to play and, and that kind of makes sense for the brand. Yeah. I mean, and I think, um, to be honest, I think they are trying to push people towards the circular plan and stuff like that because yeah. that did launch alongside the X30. So I imagine that yep. the slightly higher price does is to tempt people to get it on contracts and it's £22 a month. Like, yeah. You can get the phone and then you can, you, can, um, you can gain like points. <laughs> the <laughs> the they weren't very clear about exactly what this <coughs> means, but you can, the longer you, it's encouraging you to keep your phone, the longer you keep your phone, yeah. uh, the more points you gain and you can like uh, redeem them at like charities and things like that. So I mean, I, I, I love that. I love that because I don't I don't see many phone manufacturers doing that. We're stuck no. in like sort of this cycle of, you know, con, you know, consuming the next mm. thing as soon as it releases mm -hmm. to actually see, you know, and then people will say, you know, oh yes, we're committed to s sustainability yeah. and it's like, yes, but you're not, but but you're not <laughs> if you're doing like frequent releases that often. Um so to actually yeah. see like a big name encourage that, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, HMD have really gone in on that and um you know the CEO is, is sort of saying that this is where they're going to put their visit their position in the market and that's how they differentiate and if you you can you can give your phone back in and get another one whether that's a cheaper one or the new model and then they'll um they say that they'll reuse the phone once you've given it back either for a circular uh, customer on like a refurbished cheaper plan or they will donate them or to charity or you know dispose of them properly so it's pretty good and i think the good thing is as well it comes with a three-year warranty as standard so if anything does yes. go wrong hardware rise uh within a whole three years then they'll three-year warranty and also i noted three years of uh android oh, updates and updates. security patches so yes it's pretty good we must move on to our next section but that is a <laughs> uh, surprisingly strong review there for, from uh, lewis for the nokia x30 uh, so keep an eye out for the full review coming on TechVisor soon. And we now pass to correspondent Lewis Painter. Um, <laughs> Lewis, you, um, you're the VR man. You love VR. You're love an ex I would I would say one of the, the experts in the field in this country, man. You, you, oh. you use all of the all of the headsets, which are no doubt hiding in your lovely color coordinated drawers behind you. Um, Got the Quest so, Two on show actually up there. Exactly. So why don't you? Um, Take the, take the floor again, and you yes. wanted to chat about the state of VR because you, you've been strapping many a headset to your face recently. I um, have. But you have been doing that for many years. So what <laughs> has changed about okay. VR, and is it becoming more accessible? What, what, do you, what do you want to talk about when it comes to VR? Uh, so let's just talk about the news because there's mm. been, you know, there was a period of time over kind of since uh, the Quest 2 launched where nothing kind of launched. There was just nothing on the VR front. Everyone was like, well, Quest 2 is about as good as it gets. Let's just leave it to Meta. They're doing right. what they're doing. You know, they're sub they're subsidizing the the heck out of this so they could offer it so cheap. And everyone thought that was the end of it, but apparently not. We've got new headsets, and I think the one that's most exciting for me is the Pico Four. 
This okay, is a headset. So I was... had not heard of. Yes, Pico. not so a lot of people who have. Are Pico? It's a, they're a Chinese competitor. Um, they are owned or being subsidised by a company called Music Byte. Um, oh yeah. Which allows them to essentially do what Facebook's doing uh, and subsidise the heck out of the price, so that it can compete with the Quest Two while also being way better in terms of hardware. So you, you also offline, you did tell me to roll it back if I didn't understand something. Yes. It might be indicative of other people not knowing things about <laughs> VR. So just to roll it back, and for dum-dums like me, um, I, when I've used VR with you before, you know, I was on a HTC Vive, which was a uh, headset that is um, has to be plugged in all the time to mm-hmm. a really, you know, quite powerful PC. Um, what are these VR headsets? Are they plug in and play? Are they connected to your phone? Are they connected to a games console? Are they standalone? What is becoming the kind of go-to version of VR? Uh, I think standalone is definitely the future. All the headsets I'm going to talk about today, with the exception of the PSVR 2, which I'll come to last, uh, are all standalone headsets. So if, so if you get a Quest, you have built-in software in the Quest, which you, you have do. to run all programs through, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, but you also have the option of connecting wirelessly to a PC if you do have any PC VR games. So you can connect to your computer without any cables, which is really nice. And so in that case, would then the Quest be used as kind of like a controller or like a way to view a game? Or does it actually have to be a Quest game itself? Uh, it can be any, as long as it's optimized for VR, it can be any game. Uh, as long right. as it's, yeah, as long as it's VR, it doesn't have to specifically be for the Quest. Um, where the so Let's just talk about, so the Quest 2 is, is the ultimate consumer facing headset at the moment um it got 100 pound more expensive a few months ago so it's 399 in the uk and the us now for a 128 gig model um but yeah it's kind of the gold standard in, in standalone well it has been the gold standard should i say in standalone vr tech for the last couple of years because uh not only are you getting a headset that's probably worth about seven eight hundred dollars for right. 400 because meta is subsidizing the price of all the headsets just to get them out to as many people as they can they've also been spending a hell of a lot of money on content uh to play on these headsets so yeah like i said don't need a computer or anything like that to play them you just download the game straight from you know from the wireless network that you're on straight to the headset and you can play them with, without anything else which right. is really cool right and they're putting some, yeah, some big hitters in, like Iron Man VR came out today. And um, and they've got things like Beat Saber, which is a, a Quest exclusive, well, I think it's a Quest exclusive. Uh, and, and things like that. And they're just, yeah, they're pumping millions upon millions to get people into the Quest platform. And arguably the thing that is best about Quest is the content, because there is just so much of it. It's wide ranging and... The developers like it because it's actually making them money because people were buying these games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's always um, been the issue. Has that been one, one of the issues with VR and like developers? A bit like you know the old um, you know Windows Phone problem. I know it's not exactly the same, but if you can't <laughs> get people to develop on your platform, then you could be the richest company on the planet, and it's it's not doing. But yeah, so they, are people flocking to Quest and people and are now not flocking to Quest. To mm. uh, right. So Bone Lab uh, was a game that had been hotly anticipated. It launched last month and it made a million in revenue on the first day. Wow. which is pretty good for what is still considered by many a niche uh, what's, market. What's kind of like the, the, the standard price of a VR game on Quest? Oh, that's a hard one because they really do vary. I think if you're looking at top-end AAA games and stuff like that, like from, from the likes of Facebook and, and you know, game, you know, I'm talking multi-hour kind of full campaign games, you're looking at it between 30 and £40. Pound, um, okay. with, all right, you know, really, isn't bad, it? Yeah. It's it's not yeah. too bad um, compared to well compared to PlayStation and things like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> sixty, seventy, yeah. Now, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, yeah. they are, you know, PlayStation games are still visually better and they do last longer and stuff like that. Even the longest Quest games aren't as long as most, you know, advanced kind of PS Five games. But right, um, if you kind of want to do something like Beat Saber or anything like that, I think that's about twenty pounds. Um, so if you're going to play like like music games, boxing games, all that kind of stuff, they're a lot cheaper. Some of them charge on a subscription basis as well. Uh, a lot of the fitness ones are definitely subscription-based now, as is the way with these things. Um, so, yeah, that's the Quest 2. Uh, everyone loves it. Hugely popular. In comes the Pico 4, which uh, essentially looks to do the exact same thing as the Quest 2. It's a standalone headset. It's got its own games, got its own apps. Uh, and, you know, visually, they don't look that dissimilar. Mm. The big difference is that the Pico 4 is way more advanced in terms of hardware, obviously, because the Quest 2 hardware is about two years old at this point. It's not going to be hard right. to come out with something better, but it's a lot better because uh, it uses a new optic system. It's called a pancake optic system, uh, which basically allows... <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it's just, I think it's just the way the, lenses, the way the lenses are kind of um, designed in the headset. I don't know too much about the ins and outs of the optics, but... 
No the, actual pancakes involved then. Sadly, sadly not. Oh. I wish there was. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> not my vote. The, um, the big thing about them is it allows the headset to be a lot smaller because uh, obviously okay. the question is quite a big bulky boy on your face. Uh, the Pico 4 is, is basically half the width of the Quest 2. So that's uh, just nicer to feel on the face. It's got a battery in the back, so it's better, got a better weight distribution than the Quest 2. Uh, and crucially, the displays are also higher resolution than the Quest 2. Um, so in terms of like a visual experience, it's up there with, uh, with the best. And it costs £375, which is £25 cheaper than the Quest mm. 2. Um, but so is there a downside? Are there fewer games available? Can you get the same games on the Pico? This is the problem, is the content on the Pico 4. So obviously Meta is not going to be in a rush to license out any of its highly polished mm. AAA games to any uh, competing platforms. So with that being said, you're not going to find most of what I'd consider to be the best VR games, uh, or standalone VR games anyway, on the market. Like you're not going to get Beat Saber. Beat Saber is my go-to for anything. Like you're not getting Beat Saber, but it's not worth playing. Um, <laughs> but you're not going to, but it's, it's just other VR games like Bone Works and, uh, sorry, Bone Lab and things like that. Things are just the biggest games on Quest 2 just aren't on the Pico 4. There are some exceptions to that. You've got things like After the Fall and I think the Darth Vader uh, experience thing is on there. And there are, yeah, so there are a few that I do recognize on there, but compared to the Quest Store, it's just, it's basic. Um, the kind of, opposite side to that is like i said you can play games from your pc so if you are someone that does right. have a gaming pc already and you do have you know maybe you had an oculus quest like an oculus rift s or a htc vive or any of those pc vr um headsets uh you can then just connect to the pico 4 wirelessly as long as you've got wi-fi 6 at home uh, and then just play any of your pc vr games from your computer as well so that does kind of expand the scope a little bit um it's, and, it's, and then it becomes something that PC VR users might consider because it does have the higher resolution displays and the fact that it's still wireless, so it's going to be better than any PC VR headset that's there at the moment. Um, so Meta does seem <coughs> to enjoy uh, monopolizing uh, various uh, you know, industries. Like mm -hmm. Facebook did it, and then when it couldn't beat uh, Instagram, it just bought it. Uh, same for WhatsApp. And am I right in thinking that the Quest was born out of its purchase of Oculus? Yes. That is right, indeed okay. right, yeah. So it's clearly like we're just going to own this category now. And then obviously you're excited about um, a competitor like the Pico 4, but what's the general feel within the industry? Is it like Facebook is bad? Because it also is giving VR like a huge platform. So what's the, what's the shape? Oh, sorry, my, my, uh, friend, my head set cut for about two seconds there. Can you just repeat the last like five <laughs> seconds of that? No, all good, all good. The question was just too damn hot. Um, <laughs> it, does the industry and do you like, like what Meta's doing, given that it is, as you just kind of described, like monopolizing um, VR, yet yeah. also is bringing it to a wider audience, which you would probably think is good. Yeah, it's, it's such a hard line to walk because until Meta kind of started wrangling the standalone VR headset market and especially pumping into the content creation side of things, like I wasn't sure if VR was going to make it because... Right. You know, for the longest time, it did require like a stupidly high-end computer. The headsets were stupidly expensive, and it was just unaccessible to anyone apart from the most die-hard enthusiasts. They'd be like, "Right, I'm going to spend all this money. I'm going to slap all this down. I'm going to put these sensors all over my room so that I can map where I am." And and then <laughs> I you remember know, it well. Facebook comes along and they're like, "Well, we can make this better." So, so in terms of like a VR consumer, I'm like, "Yes, I love this because now I've got cheaper headsets that are easier to use, that are better quality, and with far better." you know, quality and breadth of games and apps available on the store. The downside is they've basically just made it almost impossible to compete without someone of, of a similar standing backing it, which is what Pico's done with, with uh, Music Byte. Uh, so they're subsidizing all their sales. So that allows them to compete. But then again, that's not going to happen very often. It's a problem that HTC had. HTC could never compete. You know, HTC is a big hitter in the early days of VR. I mean, they're still around now, but they're not they're more business focused now. And I think that's because they see mm. Meta just took the consumer market and they frankly can't compete without making a massive loss that they can't afford. Um, but then you, you say there that they've now focused uh, onto business. Is that what Meta is now doing with its not cheap, in my eyes, <laughs> Quest Pro? That's a nice segue because I did want to talk about the Quest Pro. Look at you. Uh, so yeah, Facebook uh, Meta, shall I say, is now set sights on business and collaboration uh, and kind right. of... AR creativity uh, with so it's called the Meta Quest Pro. <laughs> um, 
it was it's been it was heavily rumored for so long like literally years yeah. uh they did tease it last year and yeah it's not for consumers uh the price of 1500 pounds slash dollars should tell you that it's not for you um and i've got one i've been using it it's a lot of fun um it does have a lot of the upgrades that the pico 4 has so it's got the pancake optic system it's got a yep. better um ergonomics because it's got the battery in the back um and it does some really cool stuff that the pico 4 doesn't do with like eye tracking and face tracking so when you're in social vr apps you will be you know represented very well in vrs instead of staring at an emotionless avatar as you're talking it's <laughs> actually it adds, it adds a bit of personality and, and kind of real life aspect to the vr interaction um and the big thing for it is pass-through. So pass-through, uh, color pass-through, should I say. So it allows uh, for AR or mixed reality games, which right. basically overlay right. virtual things into your real environment. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So that you can... So when I was at the event, they let me play uh, on this painting VR or AR app. Uh, and it had like an easel in front of me and I could paint with all my paintbrushes with it. And then when I was done with my virtual paintbrush, I could put it on the physical table that was next to me and it would just sit on the table because it just mapped it all in. And uh, right. that was really cool. And But what they say is it's mainly for is collaboration um, in things like architecture and science and stuff like that, where you can see models in real in in front of you uh, while yep. you're working and stuff yeah. like that and interact with them zoom in zoom out do whatever you need to and there yeah. are apps that do that for um groups of people as well so a group of you can all join and you know take a look at the model of whatever it is that you're looking at and it's also designed for that short periods of use because the battery only lasts like an hour and a half i'm sure meta says that because it right. lasts an hour and a half and if it lasted longer they probably wouldn't say that but uh, even the fact that the charge it comes when when you have to charge it, it sits on a little wireless charging pad and the controllers go inside it everything like that just means that it's ready to sit on the desk and it's always you know within reach ready ready to go unlike the regular quest so it's just you know it's a lot of fun um it's an impressive technical showcase for what the future of vr is going to be like but it's way too expensive and even for businesses mm. i think yeah the, most people will be better off just waiting for the quest three next year <laughs> the the one thing so i got shown some uh like concepts of ar technology um like um, with oppo yeah and i remember one of the things that stuck out to me was that they had uh live translations so if you had two groups of people in a room who spoke two different languages is that if you were wearing the thing then you could have you know translations pop yeah. up or like there was another one where it was maps so being able to see like a live map of your route like while you're on your way mm -hmm. uh which is you know yeah would be i love that idea that's the kind of thing that, that would i want be great yeah um it's not a lot of that here because the thing with with the uh, with the quest pro and the quest 2 and basically all the vr headsets the is it does require you to set up your boundary beforehand so it'll yeah. work wherever you are in a room but it won't work outside and things like that so it's not mm. really made for being worn out like a pair of ar glasses might but um right we're a long way to go before we get tony stark on our yeah <laughs> um, just before we round up though this you were also going to mention uh PSVR. psvr where does yes. that where does that sit so here we have the psvr uh, so this is kind of the timely news of the week um because yesterday they confirmed after a lot of waiting and a lot of kind of speculation from everybody they confirmed it's releasing in february next year um and the price and the price is the problem because Wait, so this is the set psvr 2 this is the psvr 2 yeah so yeah. Um, we've got the psvr the first gen psvr for playstation 4 cost about 350 quid needed a couple of accessories for it but it was you know it's fairly in line with, with what everything cost at the time yeah psvr 2 on the other hand costs 550 dollars slash 530 pounds which is yeah. more than the ps5 cost <laughs> that it's running on so you have to have a PS5. What? So this is a this is a VR oh. accessory. Would that be yes. fair to say for the PlayStation Five? Yes. In yes. order to play, it's VR a, it's games a wired headset. So you have to connect to the to the PlayStation. Uh, you can't run it on PC or anything like that, as far as I know. Um, it's just for PlayStation VR games. Um, to be fair to Sony, it's a huge improvement over the first gen in a lot of ways, and they're doing some interesting stuff with the headset. It's got haptics within the headset which I have not seen before. And they say this mm. kind of adds extra immersion. So they are genuinely doing some exciting stuff with the headset and the, and, and the controllers have got the, the same kind of haptic feedback and, and adaptive triggers as the PS5 DualSense. So that's going to be great. So, are you saying that your head will vibrate when yeah. you're playing? I don't think I'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, gonna be, 
it's so I can't think of, of an example beyond like getting shot in the head and you'd feel the oh, no. like rim, isn't it? I was, I was <laughs> just thinking like boxing, getting punched, or like maybe yeah, yeah. This all sounds game. horrible. Why it's immersive, Hannah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the yeah, so it's it is an ex- example of a very high end tech, and PlayStation does, to be fair, have a very loyal base of VR headset owners for the PS mm. uh, PS4 version, and I think they're hoping that's going to translate to the PS5. But with a price that's almost double what the original cost, and like I say, more expensive than the actual console itself, I think they've now regulated themselves to the enthusiasts that already know that they like VR, and not the yeah. people that are like, oh, that might be fun, let's give that a yeah. go. So when you, you know you, when you were saying oh go on no no after you so you you were saying about the general consumers um, am I sort of right to think that a lot of the games that would do best on a VR headset are the ones that can be played like socially as a group because you know a lot of the time when I see these used it's people reacting to other people or that yeah. sort of thing yeah. do you know what I mean yeah yeah I think um, that's definitely going to be a big bit of. I think that's a big bit of VR in general. Like if you're in a group, it's just putting your what you're seeing on a screen nearby so they can see <clears throat> sorry, what's going on and just uh, interact with you that way. And there are some games like, um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a bomb defusal game where you're in VR mm. trying to defuse the bomb and your friends have the manual and they have to read the instructions to you and tell you how <laughs> to defuse I've it. Seen, yeah, I think I've seen a playthrough of this. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, there are some really good ones for that kind of thing. And the good thing about the PlayStation is because it's connected to your TV, it will show up on the TV what you're seeing at all times. So right. for those social VR things, it will be fun. But I think a lot, uh, like Meta, uh, Sony is pumping a lot of money into content creation for VR games. And there are going to be a lot of VR games for this generation. Like they've announced one for set in the Horizon Zero Dawn slash West universe that's going to be completely standalone for VR and mm. that's going to have a whole new perspective to that kind of post-apocalyptic uh, game. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's just going to be available for the PlayStation VR pl- platform with no word or if or when. So, so where, where do you stand? What If you could only keep one, <sighs> I'm going to make you pick. Because <laughs> in my mind, and I don't game that much, yeah. but to me, from what you've said, the PlayStation VR is the one that makes most sense to me. It's like you have game console, you really like games, so then you have to buy this other thing, and that opens up like a new thing. And then I would trust Sony to, you like you say, support that and for developers to develop on it. But which one is your favorite? Which one would you keep and why? I think for me, it would be the Quest 2. Still the Quest yeah. 2. Good choice because... as well. Uh, even with the PlayStation VR, you're spending near on a grand if you want the play- if you want the console and the headset. Whereas four hundred pounds are all in on the Quest Two. It might not have the best hardware, but I think in terms of content, uh, yeah, like the quality of the games that are on there, and you know the fact that it does, you know, Meta's improved the headset so much since it was released. Like it was capped mm. at seventy two hertz, and they bumped it to ninety, and now it's up to one hundred twenty hertz on the displays. They've right, got right. hand tracking on the headset, so you don't even need your controllers; you can just use your hands on the headset. All that stuff at an entry level is great for me. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it, for me, it will go um, Quest 2, then PlayStation VR 2, because that is going to be the highest quality console-based thing. And the graphics will be a lot better because it's running off the PS5 than what mm-hmm. the Quest 2 could ever provide. Um, so for the best kind of graphical fidelity, PlayStation VR 2 is the one to go for. And then it's Pico 4 for something cheap with the good hardware if you play a cross between PC and standalone. And then last but not least, the Quest Pro, because it's a very cool hardware showcase, but it's not really for anyone. <laughs> yeah. I, I think mean, also we... with the Quest, uh, it's it's got the wireless element, which you can't like you can't diminish that because like when I played yeah. I played on the um the VR, the PlayStation VR one, and I kept tripping over the wire <laughs> oh, when I was yes. doing it because yeah, there's a lot of like good. moving yeah. about. And yeah, I think also like comfort for like long periods of time because for me genuinely i can only go a certain amount of time before it starts to either feel heavy on my head and Mm -hmm. yeah so all these things that you have to take into account when you yeah yeah well yeah thanks lewis that's a really good rundown and uh, i like that you ranked them at the end there in true uh, tech advisor (laughs) chart fashion what can i say it does make sense actually now you say that yeah three four hundred pounds sorry even though it has gone up you can get all of that um for that price uh, plus games obviously it's pretty compelling and we will leave it there for VR, but there is one company we have not discussed who has a habit of waiting and then copying everyone <laughs> and maybe doing it better. So we'll have to check in in a couple of years' time when Apple has uh, released its headset, Ooh, which yes. is, am I correct, rumoured to be 
at first appealing to businesses rather than consumers they don't I, mean, I don't know who no they're in knows, well they? it's, it's because well, <laughs> who? it would be for consumers if and not with the fact that it's rumored to cost about two grand so i'm like yeah. what? It's two grand who is it for but it's supposed to be rumored yeah. it's supposed to it's rumored for announcement sometime in 2023 maybe at wwdc maybe at the beginning of the year so it will be we interesting might not have but, yeah, we, we we do balk at the price there um but yeah you know if you go and buy the most expensive iPhone today, it's not too far off that price. It's not, so, no, yeah. I guess it's not. No, I guess if you've got <laughs> Apple enthusiasts out there who will be getting the top spec Mac, the, Mac. the top spec iPad, then they'll yeah, have they'll have it. Well, thanks very much. I look forward to that. And yeah, we'll um, we'll be having. We know you've done you've you've done all the work this week. All the reviews are on TechAdvisor, aren't they? For those products, <laughs> uh, the Pico Four is still coming, but that's up in the next few days, really. Nice, nice. Well, cool. Thanks a lot for that. Um, we have time for a final section, and we will try not to rant too much, but we didn't think we could go uh, a whole week <laughs> without uh, discussing what's going on at Twitter, and everyone has got an opinion. No one really knows what's going on. <laughs> um, it's been crazy over there. I think the, the best way to sum it up was that if you aren't aware of what's going on, uh, I'm jealous of your life because you haven't been sucked into uh, the hellscape that is Twitter. I've, I've written some notes down, but Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, has bought a social network because he wants to protect free speech, which I also think is, if you don't see the irony of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, he bought it, maybe as a joke. He said he wanted to buy it for 52, 54.20 a share which was more than it was really worth, but he wanted to make a 420 joke and then figured out basically that when you say stuff like that, you actually have to do it, particularly <laughs> like he tried to back out of it for a while, yeah. but it seems as though, you know, contracts are contracts and you have to actually do that when you uh, when you say it. But he walked now, in with the sink. <laughs> I know. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, he walked into let that sink in twitter hq yeah. with a sink so he could tweet let that sink and he looked far too happy with himself i thought that was actually a very depressing video because it was just like an like some middle-aged man just like cracking up on his own holding a sink i'm like you're the richest man in the world the thing is he's some, looking for validation from randoms on the internet and you're the richest yeah. man in the world like why do you care i know and somebody was like it was some yeah. poor, jo poor sod's job to find a sink yeah. that he could get Quickly find a sink yeah i know i know uh, a little bathroom rather than kitchen but yeah i'll let him have it um, so he's, he's gone in and he fired like all of the top three straight away reports, uh, from American press that, you know, Farag Agwa was like escorted out of the building as CEO and he's trying to get away with not paying their, you know, basically severance fees, um, with, which is a whole other tale. But I mean, I wanted to ask you guys, the, the big thing that's kind of, um, dominated the news cycle is that, um, well, for me anyway, I think locking basically, um, you know, developers away and saying he's given them an ultimatum and reportedly yeah. if they don't make the changes to Twitter Blue, which is Twitter's subscription service, um, by the 7th of November, then they're fired, which is not the best way to ingratiate yourself with your new workforce. Um, basically, Twitter Blue exists and has existed for a while. It's $4.99 um, a month and you got things like you could change the look of the app, but then you also got ad-free articles from some publishers um, and there were some other benefits in there as well. They've scrapped the thing that I thought was most useful, which I just mentioned, which is the, the ad-free uh, publication uh, reading within Twitter. You can't do that anymore. And basically now Musk wants, he th thought he could charge $20 a month <laughs> to be verified. <laughs> now, I got confused and thought everyone had got this wrong. <laughs> I th actually thought that he was just saying if you already are verified in the current system, uh, then you will have to pay for the privilege on, on a subscription basis. But what he apparently is saying, and the best way that I can I can sort of explain is that he wants to change verification to be proof that you're not a bot. Yes. Right? And yeah. you're a real person rather than the potentially slightly elitist way that it is now that you have to be like, you know, a public figure or a journalist. Not that we can get verified, by oh, the way. That's a, nah. that's a whole other... It's game out. Game over now. I'm not Jake's doing it if I'm paying yeah. for it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Stephen King, the famous author um he tweeted basically he wouldn't pay and then elon musk replied to that tweet saying how about eight dollars and now Wait. that just seems to be the strategy but hannah you probably know this better than i do well i was gonna say no you missed the funniest part where he That'll was know. like we've got to pay the bills somehow <laughs> says elon musk <laughs> because he's just spent yeah 
44 billion yeah. was it on buying yeah. um what is actually probably out of all of the you know quote unquote major social networks it's the one that makes the least money it's the one that has the fewest users so it's dying just, <laughs> it's sort of like a perfect encapsulation of how twitter is an echo chamber because yeah um like all social media you only see your own feed right and you no one has the same experience but a lot of people elon musk included here seem to have just like thinking that it's this he wants to like unban trump and kanye yeah. and things like that and wants yeah. to sort of uh, there's there's so many different threads to this what do you make of it what's been the bit that you find funniest what's most annoying do you think we're all just like a bit too vain about how ex <laughs> how um how much we think this is going to affect the the, the social network we probably love to hate I mean, there's so much, isn't there? Because, I mean, the thing is, is you're not, it's verification, the the word of it, if it goes to what it is, it's not the same thing anymore. It's basically like a subscriber badge on Twitch or something like that. It's a way yep. of getting the pretty blue tick. I mean, for a lot of people, um, so, you know, celebrities and, you know, whatever, fine. But I'm more talking about, you know, people who have used, the verification badge maybe if they're creators or they're freelancers and they've used it to be able to you know help further their platform or be able to verify that they are uh, officially that person you know if you work mm. in like government mm. or whatever um now that that's going to change i feel like it's going to do the opposite to what Musk says it's going to do it's going to yeah. encourage more people to create fake accounts and bots and get the blue tick and then spread misinformation much more easily. And yeah, I just, I just feel like a lot of the concerns are just sort of being like joked away. Like, you know, it's um, people said that they saw like an uprising in hate speech as soon as the transition basically took place. And, you know, a guy from Twitter was like, Oh, we've, we've said that the, we found out these are all fake accounts, like whatever. And it's like, I just don't think that's true. I think no. that you're just brushing aside legitimate concerns and and then there was the whole thing with nancy pelosi and all of that and you know, yeah so nancy pelosi speaker of the house her she lives in san francisco and her house was raided uh by somebody looking for her i, I, I believe it's unconfirmed what they were trying to do but it doesn't look good it looks like uh <laughs> If someone's breaking into your house, yeah, it's yeah, good. Exactly. Yeah. And her husband, Paul, <laughs> yeah. who is 82, he was attacked with a hammer and needed surgery. Um, and Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, who has just bought the so a social network that he is also obsessed with, retweeted, I believe, a story uh, by, I think it was called the, is it like, oh, I've forgotten what it's called, but it's a something, the Santa Monica Observer, that's it. That's it's it. a very far-right misinformation website um, that ran a completely fabricated story saying that uh, actually this has all been covered up because Paul Pelosi was having an argument with um, a... Uh, male prostitute basically and uh, you know he was uh, he was using his services musk retweeted that incorrect information to his you know millions of followers and then deleted it but you know after somebody at twitter probably told him to um and then he lied about it afterwards to his followers because the new york times reported that musk had shared that piece of misinformation and then Elon uh, uh, took a screenshot of of that. This is getting slowly down the rabbit hole here. <laughs> and then basically um, made a joke about how you know the fake news website that the Times was talking about was actually the New York Times. So not only is he is this billionaire spreading misinformation that surely he knows is not true, he's also then you know putting that rhetoric back on you know ver verified news sources like the New York Times. I mean, it's such a weird mess. And what do you think about the fact that we're seeing Twitter as like? something that you know, a lot of people say oh i would pay for that but like you would you pay for instagram why is twitter different i do yeah i have no idea to be honest i mean verification as it stands now i get if someone wanted to pay for that but then with the fact that everybody gets it it becomes useless because the way that i'd want to use it is to be able to contact other verified people and to have them notice yep. me in their mentions more than anything. Yeah. That's the, that the is, most yeah, value thing that, that I, get yeah. from it. I have not been able to uh, to experience. Um, but yes, as as Lewis says there, if you are verified, um, you get specific uh, channel um, notification tab, uh, so you can you know, you know filter out the noise, shall we say, and, <laughs> and speak to your other little blue tick people. Yeah, um, but some, yeah. Sorry, go I was going to say this is another thing is that uh, he said that people like once they've gotten their verification, paid verification their views will go to the top like of replies and things like that mm. so you know you'll see those people first um and it's like 
yeah, if that is something that is, you know, dangerous or, you know, misinformation and the fact that I don't think we have we touched on the fact that he might possibly be firing half the staff. Um, so yep. reportedly. Like, if if that if these reports are true and if there's like people who, you know, are in the security team or, you know, anything like that, then this could be, yeah, a bit something to be a bit there's, there's a lot of concern that he's firing firing people who you know he, he's just blindly firing executives who did a lot to yeah. like clamp down on the hate speech that could run rife on a platform like twitter and although it does they do a fairly good job in my experience of keeping it out of your feed if you're not in those worlds um yeah. but you're saying here that you know people could literally be potentially if they if they do it incorrectly paying to you know infiltrate other other places of the internet yeah. where people thought they were safe yeah um I think some other ideas oh sorry go on, go honestly, on i just i think that my big issue is that he's basically treating twitter like his little personal playground because he yeah. has no repercussions now because he owns the damn thing who's gonna block elon no one yeah so like he can yeah. do whatever the hell he wants on that platform now and it's just the ultimate rich rich boy show off like oh i can say what i want because i bought the damn thing i don't really care and like he's so willy-nilly about his rules and stuff like like the whole thing was stephen king and adjusting the price into eight dollars like he just is he picking these amounts out of the air just on the fly and then just like, like let's it, roll with it, it. yeah it feels it like just... that i mean because you wonder where because obviously there was a few sites right reputable sites that reported that twenty dollar yeah. number hmm. so yeah where, where did, did did he just like see the backlash and was like oh i think so it's like a real time (laughs) tweet storm that he's just like but he loves it like elon musk doesn't like it when people aren't talking about him yeah yeah so if you keep tweeting mad stuff (laughs) and doing mad stuff and like riling up uh you know mainstream press like this because they are pretty riled. Everyone's trying to be chill about it, but you know, everyone's <laughs> no, got an opinion, mad. us included. Well, um, again, though, I yeah. think you possibly touched on this, Henry, but maybe we are in a little bubble with this compared to the world because journalists use Twitter differently, I think, to how the average person yeah. would. Um, we use it a lot for, you know, for networking, for keeping up with news, for just like chatting with each other in our circles and like i've had a few friends who i had a friend come around the other day and was literally like i think i'm going to delete twitter now that uh elon musk has it because interesting yeah she was like i don't use it i i use it for public figures and for celebs but i don't tweet anything myself and i was like i i can't you know i can't think the same as you because i've i've it's been quite useful and i enjoy doing it but yeah, (laughs) yeah it's but yeah like i think a lot of the reason that as you were saying, a lot of the media are riled is because that a lot of the media use it in a different way to how a lot of other people do. Mm. And like social media in general, like I think people were annoyed. Some people are annoyed because the idea of paying for it in the first place, just the plain idea of paying for a service that they haven't had to pay for before is kind yeah. of irk, irk, irks them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I just, it's always the app I install first when I set up a new phone. And mm-hmm. it's always the app that I, I know it makes me sad. And I, <laughs> I kind of in denial about being addicted to it because it's such a funny, the technology itself isn't advanced. And I think Elon Musk thinks he can monetize it, but it's just created as a very simple way to just like blast thoughts out into the world. Yeah. And I mean, some of the ideas that he's, you know, sort of um, banding around is like, there might be a paywall for video content and things like that, and it could sort of go down the OnlyFans kind of route, not necessarily for that type of content, but, you know, a bit like Twitter has introduced very slowly over the years things like super follows and yeah. you can, um, you know, donate to people if they're verified and things like that. Um, but, I mean, it, it is fascinating. It that's is like, a new That's like YouTube putting videos to. behind a paywall. Like, that's so mm. dumb. Half the draw of Twitter in 2022 is the videos that are posted on here. You can't and, monetize it like exactly. that. Exactly. And but, but also, Twitter, um, you know, famously uh, acquired Vine uh, a few years ago and then quickly shut it down. <sighs> and there's been reports that... Because Elon Musk obviously loves Vine. Uh, so he wants to bring it back. And he's uh, I read a report that's saying he's asking developers to just like go and get the vine code basically and, like, bring it to me <laughs> please bring back the old um, accounts and the old videos and it, it that needs came a lot of it. work apparently so like i mean if he brings that back will that be a standalone app will that be with like within twitter it always just seems like you were both saying that he's just making it up as he goes along but i mean yeah mad and it's just crazy to me that there were just like tesla executives just like yeah. ordering ordering twitter developers around and they had to, apparently had to print out like 
the last 30 to 60 days, print out the code that the work they've done in the last six, 20, yeah. 30 to 60 days. And he's just sort of randomly going like, oh, if you haven't done enough code, then you're fired. Like, <laughs> it, it, thinking it about no this sense. sort of uh, as though it's like a tech business. But I mean, it, it is. And those people do build the platform. But mm -hmm. Twitter is like the people who use it. It's not like a, a Tesla factory no, yeah, you know, exactly. where you can go in and change the employees. Like the people are the you, content. The people, exactly, yeah. And the people who are the content do not seem happy about having to pay for it. No. Um, where do you think it's going to end up? We'll round up, we'll round off there. But I mean, he, he has it now. So is this? Are we just in like the the most Twitter <laughs> Twitter news cycle where? Everything is just updating all the time and it will never end and we'll all slowly move away from it. Yeah. Where's uh, it going? I think I yeah, I think if the monetization comes and if it's aggressive if it's as aggressive as what reports suggest it's gonna be, then I'm I mean, I don't know about everyone else, but I'm leaving. I can't be bothered with all that kind of stuff. And like mm. it's just you know, it's it's fine as it is. Like obviously there's there's huge problems with moderation and and hate speech and stuff like that. But the core concept is fine. Don't break. Don't break. And I think, to be honest, now I'm saying this, I, I just remember there is a Wired report from the other day that speculates all the issues that are going to come from Elon buying this company and trying to reinstate free speech, which is technically hate speech in most yeah. cases. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that most advertisers won't then, then want to advertise on the platform because yeah. of all the hate speech. And then if things happen and foreign governments then get involved and be like, hey, can you delete this? And he's like, no, then... That might yeah. reflect badly on his stocks on his other companies because he is the face of Twitter now. He's the face of all these companies. He's yeah. got a lot of them. And yeah, you make you raise a good point there. Like he hasn't seemingly put much thoughts to how, yeah, like you say, local countries will um, you know, require, you know, quite deep conversation with with Twitter executives about how it's run in their country. Um and uh yeah. The other thing, uh, what you said there about um about hate speech, but uh, yeah, I mean, oh, oh, I mean, I don't even know what to say about it because it's just, it just boggles my mind that this man but does is is he genuinely just this maverick or is this like his persona and there is a plan because obviously it looks as though there's just no plan, which is just absolutely mad, isn't it? If if I were another social media <laughs> network right now. I would definitely be looking at trying to like, you know, push something big. I mean, I, I did see something <laughs> on the funny side, which was that apparently Tumblr this week oh, has lifted Tumblr. it. Yeah, it's lifted its ban on like it, it had like had a, like a family friendly thing that was instigated yeah, yeah. like a few years ago and it's now lifted that again. I was like, oh, is right. this in response <laughs> to the They try to take us. Yeah, it's very strange. But yeah, I was like, yeah. It, if I were like Facebook or anyone like this is your time to try and you know sweep in what about sweep in. yeah <laughs> yeah it will be interesting because yeah like say lewis with the advertisers like all social media companies have to promise like what do they call it like a safe space or like yeah. a safe environment and like you say that they're not going to want to advertise if it's going to be next to something horrible and if twitter can't uh guarantee that then they, they could end up all leaving um we will watch it we will lurk we will occasionally tweet about it ironically um <laughs> it's been fascinating um we'll just have to clock in next week i don't think he's even owned it for a week no uh, and all, all no. of that has happened so um we we watch it with interest but we will wrap it up there because as usual we've gone a little bit long passionate as we are about the tech that we chat so thank you very much for listening watching reading and lewis and hannah thank you very much uh, for your time and expertise no uh we will i think be back next week there are there are more things going on as we crawl towards black friday um <laughs> which we will no doubt cover on the pod at some point, but hopefully there'll be some more phone and tech chat for you next week. So until next week, thank you very much for watching and goodbye. Bye. Thank you, bye.